Book One, Chapter Seven of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Amelia by Henry Fielding. In which Miss Matthews begins her history. Miss Matthews, having barred the door on the inside as securely as it was before barred on the outside, proceeded as follows. You may imagine I am going to begin my history at the time when you left the country, but I cannot help reminding you of something which happened before. You will soon recollect the incident, but I believe you little know the consequence either at that time or since. Alas, I could keep a secret then now i have no secrets and the world knows all and it is not worth my while to conceal anything well you will not wonder i believe i protest i can hardly tell it you even now but i am convinced you have too good an opinion of yourself to be surprised at any conquest you may have made few men want that good opinion and perhaps very few had ever more reason for it indeed will you was a charming fellow in those days Nay, you are not much altered for the worse now, at least in the opinion of some women, for your complexion and features are grown much more masculine than they were. Here Booth made her a low bow, most probably with a compliment, and after a little hesitation she again proceeded. Do you remember a contest which happened at an assembly betwixt myself and Miss Johnson, about standing uppermost? You was then my partner, and young Williams danced with the other lady. The particulars are not now worth mentioning, though I suppose you have long since forgotten them. Let it suffice that you supported my claim, and Williams very sneakingly gave up that of his partner, who was, with much difficulty, afterwards prevailed to dance with him. You said, I am sure I repeat the words exactly, that you would not for the world affront any lady there, but that you thought you might, without any such danger, declare that there was no assembly in which that lady, meaning your humble servant, was not worthy of the uppermost place. Nor will I, said you, suffer the first duke in England, when she is at the uppermost end of the room, and hath called her dance, to lead his partner above her. What made this the more pleasing to me was that I secretly hated Miss Johnson. Will you have the reason? Why, then, I will tell you honestly, she was my rival. That word perhaps astonishes you, as you never, I believe, heard of any one who made his addresses to me, and indeed my heart was, till that night, entirely indifferent to all mankind. I mean, then, that she was my rival for praise, for beauty, for dress, for fortune, and consequently for admiration. My triumph on this conquest is not to be expressed any more than my delight in the person to whom I chiefly owed it. The former, I fancy, was visible to the whole company, and I desired it should be so, but the latter was so well concealed that no one, I am confident, took any notice of it. And yet you appeared to me that night to be an angel. You looked, you danced, you spoke, everything charmed me. Good heavens, cried Booth, is it possible you should do me so much unmerited honour, and I should be dunce enough not to perceive the least symptom? I assure you, answered she, I did all I could to prevent you, and yet I almost hated you for not seeing through what I strove to hide. Why, Mr. Booth, was you not more quick-sighted? I will answer for you. 
your affections were more happily disposed of to a much better woman than myself whom you married soon afterwards i should ask you for her mr booth i should have asked you for her before but i am unworthy of asking for her or of calling her my acquaintance booth stopped her short as she was running into another fit of passion and begged her to omit all former matters and acquaint him with that part of her history to which he was an entire stranger she then renewed her discourse as follows you know mr booth i soon afterwards left that town upon the death of my grandmother and returned home to my father's house where i had not been long arrived before some troops of dragoons came to quarter in our neighbourhood among the officers there was a cornet whose detested name was hebbers a name i could scarce repeat had i not at the same time the pleasure to reflect that he is now no more my father you know who is a hearty well-wisher to the present government used always to invite the officers to his house so did he these nor was it long before this cornet in so particular a manner recommended himself to the poor old gentleman i cannot think of him without tears that our house became his principal habitation and he was rarely at his quarters unless when his superior officers obliged him to be there i shall say nothing of his person nor could that be any recommendation to a man it was such however as no woman could have made an objection to nature had certainly wrapped up her odious work in a most beautiful covering to say the truth he was the handsomest man except one only that i ever saw i assure you i have seen a handsomer but well he had besides all the qualifications of a gentleman was genteel and extremely polite spoke french well and danced to a miracle but what chiefly recommended him to my father was his skill in music of which you know that dear man was the most violent lover i wish he was not too susceptible of flattery on that head for i have heard hebbers often greatly commend my father's performance and have observed that the good man was wonderfully pleased with such commendations to say the truth it is the only way i can account for the extraordinary friendship which my father conceived for this person such a friendship that he at last became a part of our family this very circumstance which i am convinced strongly recommended him to my father had the very contrary effect with me i had never any delight in music and it was not without much difficulty i was prevailed on to learn to play on the harpsichord in which i had made a very slender progress as this man therefore was frequently the occasion of my being importuned to play against my will i began to entertain some dislike for him on that account and as to his person i assure you i long continued to look on it with great indifference how strange will the art of this man appear to you presently who had sufficient address to convert that very circumstance which had at first occasioned my dislike into the first seeds of affection for him you have often i believe heard my sister betty play on the harpsichord she was indeed reputed the best performer in the whole country i was the farthest in the world from regarding this perfection of hers with envy in reality perhaps i despised all perfection of this kind at least as i had neither skill nor ambition to excel this way i looked upon it as a matter of mere indifference hebbers first put this emulation in my head he took great pains to persuade me that i had much greater abilities of the musical kind than my sister and that i might with the greatest ease if i please excel her offering me at the same time 
his assistance if I would resolve to undertake it. When he had sufficiently inflamed my ambition, in which, perhaps, he found too little difficulty, the continual praises of my sister, which before I had disregarded, became more and more nauseous in my ears, and the rather, as music being the favourite passion of my father, I became apprehensive, not without frequent hints from Hebbers of that nature, that she might gain too great a preference in his favour. To my harpsichord, then, I applied myself night and day, with such industry and attention that I soon began to perform in a tolerable manner. I do not absolutely say I excelled my sister, for many were of a different opinion, but indeed there might be some partiality in all that. Hebbers, at least, declared himself on my side, and nobody could doubt his judgment. He asserted openly that I played in the better manner of the two, and one day, when I was playing to him alone, he affected to burst into a rapture of admiration, and squeezing me gently by the hand, said, "'There, madam, I now declare you excel your sister as much in music as,' added he in a whispering sigh, "'you do her and all the world in every other charm. "'No woman can bear any superiority in whatever thing she desires to excel in. "'I now began to hate all the admirers of my sister, "'to be uneasy at every commendation bestowed on her skill in music, "'and consequently to love Hebbers for the preference which he gave to mine.' It was now that I began to survey the handsome person of Hebbers with pleasure. And here, Mr. Booth, I will betray to you the grand secret of our sex. Many women, I believe, do, with great innocence, and even with great indifference, converse with men of the finest persons. But this, I am confident, may be affirmed with truth, that, when once a woman comes to ask this question of herself, is the man whom I like for some other reason handsome? Her fate, and his too, very strongly depend on her answering in the affirmative. Hebbers no sooner perceived that he had made an impression on my heart, of which I am satisfied I gave him two undeniable tokens, that he affected on a sudden to shun me in the most apparent manner. He wore the most melancholy air in my presence, and, by his dejected looks and sighs, firmly persuaded me that there was some secret sorrow labouring in his bosom. Nor will it be difficult for you to imagine to what cause I imputed it. Whilst I was wishing for his declaration of a passion in which I thought I could not be mistaken, and at the same time trembling whenever we met with the apprehension of this very declaration, the widow Carey came from London to make us a visit, intending to stay the whole summer at our house. Those who know Mrs. Carey will scarce think I do her an injury in saying she is far from being handsome, and yet she is as finished a coquette as if she had the highest beauty to support that character. But perhaps you have seen her, and if you have, I am convinced you will readily subscribe to my opinion. Booth answered he had not, and then she proceeded, as in the following chapter. End of Book One, Chapter Seven